strange place to begin, but I want to start by reading 1 Corinthians 14.40. This has to do with spiritual gifts, but I have a few things that I want to say before we get into this. Brother Rossing's going to be making a statement. I don't know if Brother Glenn Uselman is in here or not. He may be. Is he in here, Brother Glenn? Okay, right in the back. I want to give him an opportunity to say something about this, if he'd like. But uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. And obviously there uh, came to... Uh, they came, uh, sit, this church came to a point in which they were not maximizing the full benefits and strength from spiritual gifts simply because that their things were not done properly or in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Uh, my mother used to tell me that whenever she looked at my room. <clears throat> she said, Now, you've got to have a, an orderly room and a decent room. I think uh, another translation says, let all things be done properly and in order. Now, you'll find, as you begin to look at the work of the Lord uh, throughout history and also the history that's recorded in the Bible, that God can and does quite often use for to bring about glory to His name methods and even individuals who are doing something in what I would say a less than than uh, than perfect uh, way, uh, you will find occasionally someone who's not living right, but at least they know the message, that they will testify to someone, and it's like the anointing of God for the sake of that person who doesn't know the Lord will rest upon them, and they in turn then will give their testimony, and, and people will be saved. Now, normally, uh, <clears throat> it isn't that way, but because of the severity of what we are dealing with, and that is that, that souls need to know the Lord and find the Lord in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul was just simply saying that when it comes to tongues interpretation, and prophecy, this is the way that ought to be done. This is the reason why occasionally we'll get a little bit off base and I'll just stop everyone and say, let's just back up a little bit and let's do it like this. And I know that the way I teach this does vary somewhat from what some others teach. Uh, however, I, I would like you to know that the way I teach it is a well-accepted uh, <clears throat> way of teaching it. But nevertheless, if you went someplace and spiritual gifts were in operation and you might think that the spiritual gifts were not quite in order the way they ought to be, it doesn't mean that God just simply withdraws His Spirit and says, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Sometimes He uses the less than perfect order uh, to fulfill His will. However, we must keep in mind that if this is the way the Lord wants it, and you want to get the best out of this, that is, the best out of the spiritual gift, you want to maximize on the strength and the power, the velocity, 
uh, and the drawing of the Holy Ghost. This, this is the way it ought to be. Now, I have been in places where there were just almost mass confusion about spiritual gifts, and still people would respond that were unsaved and come and give their heart to the Lord. I have also been in places in which I knew for a fact that the people giving uh, the spiritual, being used of God at that time, were, were uh, quite deficient in their walk with God, that they were not living a life acceptable uh, to the Scripture or to that local assembly. doesn't mean that God will not use them. It just simply means that if these people would fully comply that they would have, no doubt, an astounding effect, and, and God would be able to, to work in, to, to a greater measure. So if you go someplace and, and you find that spiritual gifts are not quite in order the way they ought to be, the best thing to do is not go away feeling badly or, being, or don't open your mouth and criticize. The best thing to do is just, when, when this is happening, just believe that God's going to take this and use it and the glory of the Lord will be revealed to some people that don't know him in the power of the Holy Ghost now I said all that to say this that that uh, you know when it comes to the work of the Lord God's going to do everything that he possibly can to see a soul saved uh, I have a couple of scriptures that I want to read I first start in Matthew the fifth chapter uh, this is just a, uh, an astounding uh, insight that our Lord had. He talks about adultery and uh, looking upon a woman and committing adultery in your heart. And in verse 29 of Matthew 5, he says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body be cast into hell. So when a man goes to hell, he goes to hell bodily. Uh, when he dies and his body is placed in the ground, uh, he waits for the white throne judgment. God will raise him back up. Peter speaks of the restitution of all things. He will be raised up, and at that time that he's raised up, his spirit soul will inhabit the body and he will bodily appear before the Lord at the white throne judgment and then be cast into hell in verse 30 and if thy right hand defend thee cut it off and cast it from thee for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell and basically what he's saying is that that uh, he's not saying that that uh, it isn't important to have a hand or an eye, but he's saying that when you compare uh, your life here and the, the tenure that you're here, the short length of time that you're here compared to uh, your destiny <coughs> dying forever in hell, it'd be better that you go into hell or into heaven, rather, with, with one eye than to be cast into hell with both. And he's talking about the severity of hell. And then, uh, <clears throat> if you turn to Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 28, 
the Bible says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, <clears throat> the reason why that I want to talk about this altar work and everything pertaining to it uh, is because if one person comes to our assembly that is ready to pray through, that is, their, the condition of their soul is ripe, and I do believe that the soul goes through various stages, there is a time to plant the seed in a man's heart. There is a time to water the seed in a man's heart. Then there's a time to harvest the seed. Usually harvest will, time will take place when some great change takes place in the person's life, such as the losing of a job, sometimes uh, uh, a near-death situation where a person through some automobile accident or some unfortunate accident, they begin to think of eternity. God can use a thousand different things to bring about circumstances that brings a person near death. But nevertheless, usually at these times, a man can be, his soul can be saved. There are other times, however, that, that uh, people just walk in the assembly, they hear the preaching, they leave, they're not ready to be saved. Now, you can't force them to be saved, and there's no need to trying to get them to be saved because you've got to plant the seed in their heart. They may come back, they're still not ready. They may come back again, they still may not be ready. But uh, somewhere along the road, they will get ready. And for this reason, then, I'm going to say all the things that I'm saying today, because if the soul is ripe and ready to be harvested, then if for some reason we do not do all that we can do, or if we conduct ourselves in a way that uh, is less than desirable. Uh, some may be saved, but maybe some won't be. And we need to maximize. We need to do everything that we can't possibly can to make sure that uh, that person whose soul is ripe and ready to be harvested will come and give their heart to the Lord. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Now, I just want to start out by just talking about visitors who come in into the this place the best thing that you can possibly do is to just let people know that you care about them that just demands that you're just friendly occasionally i will meet some of you who are going through some very uh, different difficult times uh and so as a result uh, you're not smiling so much please for the sake of others uh put on your best smile in which if you start counting your blessings, regardless of how involved you may be in some hardship or whatever, count your blessings when you come in the house of God. Come in here as much as you possibly can. Now, I know that there will be some situations in which you will just be weighted down. But for the most part, just come in here and think about God and how good God is and what God has done. and Kind of get your mind off yourself for the sake of others. Now, there will be a time in which you can get alone and pray at our altar, maybe uh, after others have prayed in the pre-service prayer meeting. It's a good time for you to get alone and pray, but, but for the most part, do that. And while I'm saying this, I just want to back up a little bit. If you are here at the church and there's nobody here and somebody calls the church, 
Make sure that you're as friendly as you possibly can be when you're on the phone. I think that is extremely important. I called over here not too long ago. I don't know, remember now exactly who it was that answered the phone. It was not during the regular hours that the staff is here. But I called, hoping to catch someone, and someone just picked up the phone and said, Yeah! Just like that. It kind of took me by surprise. And I said, Yeah! They said, Yeah! I said, wait a minute. I said, this is Pastor Grant. I said, is this the way you usually answer the phone? Yeah. <clears throat> now you can, you know, if, if there's someone that, that is wanting information about the church, uh, that's just a pretty poor way to be answering the phone, you know. <laughs> just, yeah. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I didn't think anyone answered the phone like that till I called someone not long ago at, at their home, and when they picked up the phone, that's how they answered just, yeah? <laughs> and I thought, well, <clears throat> it's all right because most people don't connect your home to the church, but, but nevertheless, <laughs> if you answer the phone here, you know, just please be friendly. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but, but most of you, you've, you've called places uh, call a place of business where they're really interested. Call over to Sears, someplace where they're interested in customer relationships and see, see what kind of a, uh, an answer they give you. You know, they'll, they'll say, good morning or good afternoon. This is Pam. Thanks for calling. And uh, they'll say something about Sears. We're so glad that you chose to call Sears today. What can I help you with? Why? Because they know that they'll have to close their doors if it's yeah to everybody. <laughs> you know? Isn't that true? Do you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> everybody say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but when you're dealing with outsiders, uh, be friendly. Now, of course, when you're dealing with each other, be friendly also. <clears throat> this is just the name of the game, see? It's just simply the name of the game. And then the next thing that I want to talk to you about is just the respect for the house of the Lord. I think this is just extremely important. When you come in here, I know that uh, it's a long ways to the back wall, and I know that we have classrooms on each side, but, and I've cautioned people, uh, but it's just real good to come in and when you walk inside that if, especially if the praise singers are up here, that you start focusing your attention on what they're doing. Now, <clears throat> this is so important, uh, extremely important. So I, I'd, I'd just like for you to do that. And if you're a leader here and someone wants to talk with you, and that happens occasionally, I'm not going to say don't say a word, but I'm saying if it goes much beyond that, just find another place. Just, just uh, slip away someplace and talk. Do you follow what I'm saying? This, this is just so important. Uh, it, it just it means a lot. Now, it doesn't mean that, that people won't find God, uh, <clears throat> but I'm just thinking about the person that perhaps would be affected by that. We did have a person attend our church about a year ago, and this person went and reported to a sister of hers that's in another United Pentecostal church. She said, I went to Calvary Gospel Church, and she said they were so rowdy. That's what she used what do you mean rowdy? She thought that, you know, that this, her sister was talking about the way we worship. She said, oh, no, I'm in talking in the back. She said, 
uh, when I, I sit in the very back area, there were so many people talking back there and so many people visiting with each other and children were playing. And I couldn't get anything out of this until they were into the service quite, you know, it, people were coming late. And that happens, you know, in a lot of churches, and uh, ours included. Uh, and, you know, for various and sundry reasons. But nevertheless, uh, it should be done orderly. It doesn't mean God won't save people. God won't work with people. But, but you understand what I'm saying. I made mention of this when we were having an altar service one time. We just had such a great move of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, when the class is dismissed, and when the class dismissed and came out, uh, the children were all talking, and they went in the back, and they started to... Uh, talking even some more, and it was just like you poured water on the altar service. It just, you know, it went down. And the reason why is because there just was not the respect in the house of the Lord. Too many people got to their attention on other things. I, I think you owe it to, to your Lord who died upon the cross to save sinners and also to that sinner who needs the Holy Ghost equally uh, as much as you need it. Uh, to uh, pay attention when you're in the house of God. Uh, occasionally I'll see someone that's doing something when I'm preaching. Now normally things don't bother me much. People can get up and leave, and sometimes I don't even know they left. Sometimes children will cry, and I don't know that, but every now and then I do recognize things, passing notes and and laughing at each other and things like that. You know, people get that I. I, I remember one time, and, and this was after I started preaching, I someone I sat by someone, they told me something funny before church, and I laughed all during church. I, I just couldn't help it. And, uh, you know, if the preacher would have stood up and said, I'm going to shoot you, Brother Grant, if you don't stop laughing, I guess I would have just had to let him shoot me because I just couldn't stop laughing. And I know that you're going to have some situations like that, but people get into a habit. You, you understand what I'm saying? Just not paying attention and just looking around and and such. And it's just it's just good that that you pay attention. I've, I've thought so much about the order of Israel, especially in the dedication of their temples, uh, their temple rather, and their their tabernacle, and how these people just seemingly stood on tiptoe, uh, wanting to see that miraculous uh, Shekinah of God as it invaded the place, and they just stood there breathless, and the, the priests could not even minister because the Spirit of the Lord came down in such a great way. And that's what we need in the house of the Lord. We may get some people filled with the Holy Ghost while people are visiting in the back, while they're talking. I did talk with Brother Nelson, and this is one thing I want all of you to listen up to. I told Brother Nelson now this is what we're going to start doing. As soon as the altar call starts, the ushers are to close the doors going out into the vestibule. And no children are going to be allowed outside unless their parents take them out. And the reason why is because they get in the vestibule and they start playing. They get in the parking lot and they start playing. We've even had visitors to come back in and say, you've got some kids out here going to get run over. And, and truthfully, then, then when, we'd, when we'd talk with some of the parents... And the parents would get a little irate about it. Now, you wouldn't want your, your child killed in the parking lot, would you? In other words, it, it's only, uh, you should consider that to be a real favor if somebody come in and say, your child, 
you know, and, and it may not be someone that you particularly like, but nevertheless, they liked you enough <coughs> that they didn't want to see your child <laughs> get killed. You, yeah, and so I told Brother Nelson, just close the door, and no children goes out. And that simply means then that we can stop some because when they're in here, you know, we can we can control can control something. We got a lot of children. Now, <clears throat> in a church this size, normally you'd have more children than what we have. But uh, uh, we we do have a lot of children because we are of fair size. Uh, not as many as a lot of churches have, but enough to create a little bit of a you know a situation where things are less than desirable. Then when the doors are closed uh, and the children cannot go out, uh, then the parents need to go out with them. So if Brother Nelson closes the door or any usher closes the door and your child needs to go to the restroom, don't let them go unless you go with them because the ushers will stop them and please, the ushers are only doing what they have been requested to do. So don't get too fussy with an usher. Some, some people have a tendency to feel the usher to set the rules according to their own desires, and they mandate these upon the people, and that's not the way it is. We're just basically trying to create an atmosphere where there's a lot of respect and where God can move and we can get everything that we possibly can out of the moving of the Spirit that is so sacred and so valuable to us uh so you know there's just things like that just uh, uh that's just uh, I, I think one of the most disrespectful things that i know of is to chew gum when you're in church now some people you know i think if you know if you went to the white house or someplace to a banquet you wouldn't sit up there just chawing on your gum would you you know i have some cows and you know what they do they'll eat a while and then they, they lay down and they they just chew on their cud you know now you'll see this little lump come up in their throat now you know, and they get this faraway look, like, well, wonder how the grass is going to be after lunch. Now, if any of you'd like to know what you look like when I'm preaching, when you're chewing your cud, I'm at chewing your gum. <laughs> you thought that was a slip, didn't you? It really was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the Lord. Just I was going to say, just come down and look at my uh, cows, and, and it'll convince you to stop chewing your gum. I was in a place of business the other day, and there was a young lady, very attractive lady, that was uh, waiting on me, and she was chewing this gum, and it was just kind of hanging out, just you know, really. And she was trying to talk with me. So what'd you say? You know, and, and I thought, now, you know, someone should tell this young lady, you know, that this, you know, really, it's just, it just, well, you know, it just looked sloppy, you know. And Sister Grant and I were in a real nice restaurant not too long ago, and I'm in a, a place where, you know, you can't, you can't get a steak less than 18 bucks. And, and here this waitress comes, and she's chewing this big old wad of gum. What'd you like tonight, sir? I wanted to say a corn dog. <laughs> you know, you feel like you're, you don't feel like you, 
it just didn't quite fit, you know. <clears throat> now, <laughs> I, I said all that to say that, you know, this is the house of the Lord, and there should be some respect here and some, 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 some fear of God. God speaks to us. Sometimes He tells us things that make us sleep, but sometimes He tells us things that drives us to our knees. And when we want God to genuinely talk to us, to move in this place, to speak to us, and above all, we want the Holy Ghost to move in such a way that the sinner can find the Lord. And I'll tell you, you get serious with God, you'll find out God will get serious with you. You take God very lightly, and you'll find out that, uh, that He's going to treat you the same way. I found this out a long time ago, uh, that, uh, you know, you can get out of God about what you want out of God, but if you're not wanting much, and, of course, it's all in how you behave yourself when you are in the presence of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> we want to go into the altar work itself, and the reason why that we're a little bit concerned, Brother Rossing has a mic, and I want him to stand up, take a few moments of his time. Because, you know, we teach all to work in the, uh, in the stewardship classes. Brother Usman has a, uh, 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 some sessions on this. So uh, stand up, Brother Rossing, if you would. It kind of uh, came to my attention when uh, one Sunday morning, not just one, but when I drive the bus, I get impatient as long as the kids are getting more impatient. The, it kind of grows by leaps and bounds, and we try to out-impatient each other. But um, the problem was that the bus workers, who are altar workers, were taking their liberties at the altar. And and I and this is not to fault them. I'm, I'm uh, aiming this primarily at Blake George and... Jeff Baum and Andrew Cohn, which this is not to fault them. This is to give them credit. Um, they were taking a lot of time at the altar with people on Sunday morning, and I told them that that they they had to to break it off and get out to the bus because things are getting kind of chaotic out there, and we need to get these kids home so that I can get my nap. <laughs> and, um, so he'd be smiling Sunday night. Yes. There you go. Um, and I, I told them that, that you know, there's, there's over 25 people that are committed to altar work or made, made uh, some form of commitment to altar work. And uh, Blake said, really? You know, I didn't know that that was the way it was. Um, and the problem is that if you've ever heard the story of somebody, nobody, anybody, and everybody, you kind of know how that story goes. But w what the problem was is that everybody was counting on somebody to be at the altar. And these three brethren, because of the burden in their hearts and the love for souls, were doing that at the expense of their responsibility. And I don't think that they really thought there was a problem until I, I brought it to their attention, but um, there are over counting elders and their wives, which automatically you fit into the group um, as altar workers because of the position that you 
Topeka. Um, there's over 34 people, or in the neighborhood of 34 people involved. And Sunday mornings, here were three people consistently at the altar. And, uh, and, and that's not just to say that it was only them. There are others who are real faithful to it also. But out of 34 people, why was it taking just these three people all the time? And it's because of the of the, the love that God put it, that God's put in their heart for the souls of men. Um, what I told them was, you're really doing a disservice to the other altar workers. And what you're doing is the thing with everybody, somebody, nobody, and everybody, or whatever it was. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, what happens? I told them what you need to do. Yes, go ahead and pray at the altar for a few minutes, but break it off. Because when there's a vacuum created in nature, there is no such thing as a vacuum that won't try to be filled. And if you take your presence away from the altar, somebody will see the need and they will go there. It's just an automatic thing. Um, so that was what I was trying to encourage them to do. But, but the rest of you who are altar workers need to understand that you have a responsibility and that your calling, because you, because you made a, a commitment to that altar work, that is your calling. And, and you were the ones who, who made the, the, the effort to say, yes, I'm going to do this because I feel God calling me to do it. So it becomes your responsibility not, not to become like the four individuals and everybody assume somebody's going to do it. If it's my responsibility, I have to do it. And um, I really do want to commend those brethren that I named. They do have a burden, and they are there all the time. Yes. Watch Drew Cohn some night. Mm -hmm. He looks like a... I just It's really comical to watch him. I'm not one of the first people to run to the altar. I, I like to just wait and watch what's happening and, and then come come up there, but Drew will circle around and he's like a wolf on the prowl and I'm, I'm glad I'm saved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he really does have a burden. Yes, he does. And uh, we ought to emulate him or we ought to be like, like he is in yes. him and ask God to renew the burden. Um, I was talking to Brother Grant, you know, we all we all get cold we all struggle with life. Um, read in Matthew 13, the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches grew up and choked them. And we have to be aware of that. We have to, we have to continually be willing to shake ourselves and, and recommit ourselves in prayer to ask God to help us. It's our natural tendency to, to turn away from it. And we have to have God's help. And that's why Jesus prayed. God was in him. He still prayed. He was flesh. We're flesh. So we need to ask God's help to renew a burden in our hearts. Very good. All right. We pass this over to Glenn Uselman. I'll make some comments. Please understand what we're doing here. It's, it's a little in-house training, but it's something that is very necessary. Now, Brother Rossing has brought up something that is extremely important that has to do with the altar workers themselves, and I'd just like for the people who uh, came to the front and committed themselves, uh, 
in the fall of last year, I think it was November or December of last year, if you will stand. Now, I have the names of the people, so I'll read these. Some of them are not in here. Some of them are in other classes, but I'd like for you to stand. Of course, all the ministers, their wives, elders and their wives, we just ask you if you would just be at the altar and pray every service. Now, the, the exception to the rule would be if you're helping someone find the Lord at a, some other place in the building. That has, all, that has become their altar. But all the ministers, their wives, elders and their wives, would you stand, please? All right? Okay, these people. And then uh, I have Sharon Johnson. Is Sharon here? All right, she may not be here tonight. Uh, Jeanette Dykema. All right. <clears throat> and Tammy Krause. Okay, uh... Jeff and Valerie Vaughn. Okay. And Sister Jane Brazeman. Brother Blake George. Brother Dan Thorpe. Working. Brother John Brunker, and he is sick. Sister Rose Ojo. Sister Rose here tonight. Okay. Shanda Fisher. Okay. Andrew Cone, all right, Dan Capaccio, okay, Tim and Kim Cannot. I think we only had Tim's name down, didn't we, or I think it was just Tim's, all right, uh, and then Brother Kurt Elke. Okay, these are the people that, that came and said, we want to make, uh, I want to make altar work a real ministry I, I think that this is something that is extremely important and the, the reason why we're pointing this out at this point is because if you know a lot of you are involved in other ministries some in Sunday school some of you work on the buses some of you go in and teach uh, uh, some of you are involved in office work or whatever but when you are not fulfilling an obligation to something else especially on Sunday morning uh, and this is when we need altar workers the most, seemingly on Sunday morning. Uh, please get right down to the altar and, and work with people and pray with people and, and seek the Lord and see if we can pray these people through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you see who these people are, all of you. Now, I'd like for all of you to stand, though. Now, Everyone that's standing that has the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is also your responsibility to pray with people. These people just said, we want to make this our ministry. But it's your responsibility to pray every chance you can. Now, you may be seated. <clears throat> so everyone has been standing. That just simply means then that we may have people that this is their ministry those people will be working primarily with someone. But let's say you brought a visitor. You bring the visitor down to the altar. You start praying with the person at the altar. It might be that the Lord lays on you the desire or the burden to pray that person through. Nobody's going to come up and take your job away from you. But with everyone cooperating, you'll get a lot of support in what you're doing. And I've noticed this when people gather around. Every now and then there'll be a group of men over here, a group of ladies over here, or some children down here, 
and all of a sudden it's like fire falls out of heaven. The more of them, and, and they just, I mean, they just, the Spirit of the Lord just erupts. And would you believe it's out of that kind of atmosphere that all of a sudden somebody raised their hand and said, she's receiving the Holy Ghost. She's receiving the Holy Ghost. And it's a beautiful thing. It was so beautiful last May when we had 56 people to pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Hollis is coming this next spring. He's going to start on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 16th. And we're going through June 4th, Pentecost Sunday. Now, we will not have any special revival services, that is, scheduled services. But each service we have, which will just be our regular services, we are going to believe God for revival. So he's just going to come and park his trailer, and we're going eight full weekends and eight uh, uh, midweek services, and we're going to invite as many people. And hopefully when that revival is over, we'll have a hundred souls prayed through, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Brother Glenn, would you stand? Is there anything you'd like to say or add to this or any comments? Now, I will be talking a little bit more, but anything he has to say, I'd like for him to take his liberty. Thank you, Brother Grant. <coughs> Uh, I guess my mind goes right to the mechanics of uh, altar work as far as what what actually goes on when you do pray for somebody. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, when you go down there to pray for somebody, be real personal with them. And uh, if you have to, stop them from, from praying or whatever and ask them where they're at as far as do you have the Holy Ghost? Uh, are you repentant? Don't forget the basics. God will never fill anybody with the Holy Ghost until they've repented of their sins. Uh, if a person has not fully repented, uh, get them to confess their prayer just, or, or confess their sins. Uh, they don't have to confess them right to you. Tell them that. You don't have to say them all. Just, just uh, uh, have a, a, a tell them. They, uh, like I've told people, just, just. Um, if you will, repentance simply means to turn away, to turn from your sin. Just be sorry for that sin. Are you sorry for that sin? Are you willing to make a commitment to Jesus Christ? Do you understand what you're doing here? To be filled with the Holy Ghost is to be filled with God and actually commit your whole life to God. All right? If they're ready to do that, they're ready to repent and receive the Holy Ghost. And as you're saying that, it's, it's, it's almost to some people, wow, I have to give up so much. Remain in, in, uh, encourageable. Just, just encourage them. Say, this is the greatest thing that you can ever receive. You're, you're about to enter into something that's, that's great and wonderful and keep it encouraging. Um, I guess the next thing that uh, I thought of was uh, faith. Build up their faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing oh, by the Word thank of God. You, Lord. Thank when you, Lord. you're praying for somebody, quote Scripture. Uh, if you if you kind of run out of things to say, uh, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock, it's going to be open. Uh, and they all receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, just just start explaining to them. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. These signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to speak with tongues. Uh, while Peter yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them, and they all spoke with tongues. Praise God. Just get them into the mode of worship. If you're not actually helping somebody to pray through, uh, 
praise and worship. When Billy Cole was here and he had everyone sit in the front, yeah. uh, when things started to die down, he got the microphone and just started just stirring up the praise. Let's all worship. Let's all praise. God does dwell in an atmosphere of praise. Yes, he does. And if that atmosphere continues, God will continue to move. A move of God is simply uh, uh, people that are worshiping and causing God to, to do something, or allowing God, I should say, to do what he wants to do. When the uh, fellowship takes over, and like Brother Grant said, when there's a whole lot of talking and mingling and, and such, you just feel something just, just leave. Uh, the, you know, like he said, it's just like pouring water on a fire. But if you're not helping somebody and you want to be involved, the best thing that you can do is just go up and praise. Just worship. And just walk around oh, that person being you, prayed That's for. True. And that helps. It really helps the people praying and it helps the people that are, that are trying to pray through. Praise God. That's about all I have. For praise God. All right. This is very, very good. And I, I hope that all of you are, are right now getting a greater desire to pray with people at the altar. Remember how it was when you prayed and how people gathered around you and prayed for you and how people sought the Lord for you. Well, others need it just like you. Why? Because God loves everyone. It's just, and He's not willing that any, any should perish. Now, we do have altar captains, and let me just explain this for all of you. Uh, <clears throat> on my right, and of course your left, on the very front, we have an altar captain. I'd like the altar captain to stand. I know who it is, but, okay, Sister Mishanda Fisher is the altar captain here on the front. Now, in the rear part of the building, we have an altar captain. I'd like for him to stand. All right. Okay. And the reason why that we, these, this is where these people usually sit. All right. And then on the, uh, my left, and of course your right, here on the front, we have an altar captain. All right. And Brother Blake George is the altar captain. And then in the very back area back here, we have an altar captain, and I'd like for him to stand. All right. Now, they usually sit somewhere about where they are. But, uh, and then we have an altar captain or captains that are here at the altar in the front. And that's Rich and Peggy Thomas. And I'd like for uh, Brother Rich to stand. His wife's involved in the classroom tonight. But uh, they are in charge around the altar here. And then we have an altar captain at large, and that's the guy that rolls, rolls around, and that's Andrew Cohn. He was chosen. In other words, he is free to go, and especially if, if someone is absent from a service. But now, th their primary responsibility is that, that when we're given an altar call, and if in the event there, there are people that they see that needs uh, someone to talk with them, they either go themselves or they send someone. Or... Uh, when the altar service is going on, if there's any praying going on in that area, and uh, or they see someone that needs prayer, uh, they are willing to go and pray with them right there, bring them down the front, or get someone to go pray for them. Now, it doesn't mean that they're in charge of all the praying that goes on uh, or that they're going to uh, carefully scrutinize all the praying. That's not it at all. It just simply means that we want Every person in this building that is a guest that's not filled with the Holy Ghost, we want to give them the opportunity to pray. We're not going to push ourselves on them. We're not going to try to, we will not antagonize them, or we will not do it intentionally. We don't want to linger with them until they get upset at us. That's not it at all. It's just that 
when we're talking about hell and people going there forever and ever and ever, and we talk about something as sacred as Calvary and as powerful as the Holy Ghost and the blood of the Lord, we feel that every man deserves the opportunity to get a special invite if he's a little bit reluctant and he just sits back. And that's their primary responsibility. Just go and talk to these people or get someone to go and talk. Sometimes you'll have a guest that will not come down to the altar. The people who brought them, they come. And after they get down to the altar, this, these guests begin to look and they see this person that brought them praying. I've seen this many times. God gets a hold of their heart. Well, naturally, this couple cannot detect what their guests are doing. But you, as a captain, these are things that you watch for. Okay, you may be seated. Uh, <clears throat> now, the thing that is very, very important is that, that when I begin to give the altar call or anybody else gives the altar call, and we do have a few guests here, and when we say altar call, that's just a term that we use when we call people to come forth and pray. We don't have an altar like you'd see in a Catholic church or a Lutheran church where only the minister goes and, and, and uh, uh, performs the sacraments and such at, uh, at the altar. But we're just talking about a place where people can come and pray, basically this, this uh, darker carpeted area, any place around the front, where people can just come, make a confession that they are sinners and they'd like for the Lord to forgive them, and, and they come. Now... Uh, we are serious about this. We want to see people filled with the baptismal Holy Ghost. I don't know how many we've had this year already, but it's in the 80s, uh, 80, 80 to 90, or maybe even more. Last Sunday morning, we had two people in the class uh, room to receive the baptismal Holy Ghost. And then we had four other uh, children in the classroom that have not prayed through and since uh, early spring. that they, were just, they just prayed back through to the baptismal Holy Ghost. We had a Holy Ghost Sunday. Now, we're going to have a Holy Ghost Sunday uh, every quarter uh, here at Calvary Gospel Church. I think we decided to be the third, uh, uh, the, the third uh, uh, Sunday, a uh, fourth Sunday, fourth Sunday of every quarter will be Holy Ghost Sunday. And we are coming, and, and we're going to be preaching and teaching throughout the classrooms the importance of receiving the Holy Ghost and why you need to receive the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, people that that are lost that what they're doing is important let's take this thing very seriously this is so important so just do what you know that you are supposed to do now i would like to caution you about a few of the of the mechanics and perhaps i should say not about the mechanics receiving the holy ghost but things that that people just mechanically do i am, am personally uh feeling that that one thing we exercise in Pentecost a little bit too much, and that's laying on of hands. All right. Now, before you throw stones at me, uh, just listen to me, all right? See, there are certain churches that they believe that every time you get together, you should take communion. And they, they drink communion just like people drink Pepsi almost. You know, it's just, it's just, well, that's the thing you're supposed to do. Well, I think that communion is very, very important. Uh, I think we do this, and as often as we do it, we do show the Lord's death until he comes. But you can do some things to the point that uh, you just take it for granted. Now, <clears throat> the lay ciders that are here should be a point or a reference point uh, in which faith is invoked into the individual. In other words, you tell the individual, now I'm going to be laying hands on you. And, of course, you instruct the individual. When I lay hands on you, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And you will begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
and then lay hands on them. Now, if they don't receive the Holy Ghost, don't just keep your hand there and keep your hand there and keep your hand there. I'm not saying just withdraw your hand immediately, but you know what happens sometimes? There's so many hands on people's head that, you know, and, and you, well, I hope you understand what I'm saying. This, this is very, very important. It's very important because I have had some people say, man, I have never had so many hands on my head before. Well, this was alarming to them. But what I'm saying is that, that it should be done discreetly. It should be done wisely. And when you do it, you should instruct the person, I'm going to be laying hands on you, and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And you may say, well, Brother Grant, I don't know if I have enough faith that I can tell them that. Well, then keep your hands off of them then. You follow what I'm saying? I'll clap for myself on that one. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that when these cloud bursts of glory come down, and you'll find that, and everybody's just dancing, and, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is there, that it's improper to reach over and lay hands on people. There are times in which the Spirit just takes over, and you'll find out in those special bursts of God's glory upon people, that you just do things spontaneously. And, and when that happens, that happens, and nobody's going to say anything. And certainly, if I look over here and I see somebody laying hands on someone, and I see four or five, I'm not going to be critical of that. But I'm just telling you that I do believe that if you talk to the person, instruct the person, and tell the person, now look, we're here, we're going to lay hands on you. When I lay my hand on, hand on you, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you lay hands on them, they don't after you've instructed them. Just simply let them pray, stop them again, and talk with them again. In other words, don't get into a rut. It's not going to hurt to stop them. It's not going to hurt to instruct them. Most people don't receive the Holy Ghost at, at the altar. Directly, they do not receive the Holy Ghost at the altar as a direct result, rather, of people not instructing them enough. In other words, did I say that right? It didn't make sense to me. All right, let me say it over. <clears throat> Wipe it all off. Take the eraser. Most people fail to receive the Holy Ghost because they're not instructed enough rather than over-instructed. Now, that sounded better, didn't it? Okay, we'll leave that on the chalkboard. Okay, <clears throat> all right. But so, you know, because some people, they don't know. They just, they're up here praying. They don't have any idea. They hear people speaking in tongues, and they, they hear a lot of instruction. You can hear it all over the place, and it's just a matter of, Stopping the person, as Brother Glenn said, and finding out where the person is in God. If they have not repented, ask them to repent uh, and tell them what repentance is all about. Then give them faith by quoting Scripture and, and, and don't, don't get in a, a rut. That's basically what I'm saying. Don't get in a rut. Instruct them and be careful about laying hands on them too quickly. In other words, let that... Laying on the hands. Be a big thing. Because in the scripture it was a big thing. And, and you know sometimes because it's the big thing. That's the thing we do all the time. Well yeah but it was designed in the scripture to be. Uh, to be administered. The laying on the hands. In a very discreet and, and wise way. And I think we can give them faith. We can lay hands on them. But I want to close by making this statement. Okay. Now I was going to tell. I was going to make another statement. Let me just. For the sake of you who are here, I guess maybe I should go ahead and make this statement, though, first. We ask all the classrooms when they hear the music, come out. Because the most important thing that happens at Calvary Gospel Church is praying people through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, we've been a little bit hesitant 
some classes have been staying, staying, and staying. And one teacher said, well, we just had so much to do and so far to go. I said, that's still all right. Just stop and come on out. If there's not another service and Jesus raptures us home, it won't make any difference anyway. And if there is another service, then pick it up and go on with it. Because what, you see, the altar service, now here's my closing statement. Every altar service must count. Because every soul counts. And that's, that's just the way it is. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'd like for Sister Manley to come back if she would, and Sister Grant. And then we'd like for our praise singers to come. And let me tell you something. We do not have to have a lot of outsiders praying at the altar to have a good altar service. Because this is a time in which we can worship. We, we particularly stated this on Thursday night. We like to keep the preliminaries brief. And the reason why is because, and we started seven, because there are people that, get, we have men, quite a few men that get up in the four o'clock hour, and some even sooner than that, and children come to school. So we give them an op- the opportunity uh, to worship and get involved in some of the altar service. If they have to leave early, that's all right. But nevertheless, people who want to linger and pray and worship, they're given that opportunity. Praise God. I would like for you to stand if you would. Let's start out by saying it's amazing what praising can do. All right? It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Well, I don't worry when things go Jesus fills my heart with a song. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Now, what Brother Thomas has already done, see, he's brought someone up here. Brother Harold Wool received the Holy Ghost back in May, and he's been very, very sick. I'd like for him to come on up to the front. We're going to lay hands on him and pray for him. I hope that you'll... Pray a prayer of intercession for Brother Harold tonight. Really does need a touch of the Lord. Now the rest of you who are committed to this ministry, you altar captains who are there, as we begin to pray for Brother Harold, why don't you just find someone, invite them to come. The rest of you are invited to come to the altar and pray. Let's come, let's seek the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, how important this is. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah, well I don't worry when things go wrong. Jesus fills my heart with a song, it's amazing what praising can do. Ale